Amen. What a great Saturday evening on Easter weekend. Amen. To see that many people going through the waters of baptism, God deserves a little praise for that. Let's give Him a little praise. I love, love, love baptism. Man, I, I love seeing young lives going through the waters of baptism. And I love them hearing what it's about. We stand up there in a room and we talk about what it means to be baptized and what, it, what is the outward expression of. And so Easter weekend, what better weekend to do that than this weekend? And let me just say to some of you guys, if you uh, have not been baptized by immersion, you want to follow Christ in believers' baptism, and you see how awesome it is, we're doing it tomorrow. You know, and if you want to be a part of that, it's not too late. You just let us know tonight. We would love, love to celebrate that with you. It adds to the excitement of the weekend. Easter weekend is one of the most awesome weekends for the believer, for the Christian, for the follower of Christ. You know, and it's a crazy thing because what we do is we celebrate the death of our Lord. I mean, what other people does that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we celebrate the death of our leader. We celebrate the death because we know that, you know what, death could not hold Him. The grave could not hold Him. We know that the resurrection is coming. Easter Sunday is a special day. And so for every believer, we get excited. I don't know about you, but on, on Good Friday, it's just a different day. You know, and you think about the price that was paid for our, our sins, for our, our mistakes, our lies, our cheating, whatever it might be, our jealousy, our greed. But Jesus bled out His precious blood for you and for me on that, on that special day. But, but here's the thing is, think about this. We celebrate the fact that our Savior died a criminal's death. That He died a criminal's death. I mean, you know, the Roman cross was the worst form of torture. And we celebrate the fact that he died there. And, and we, you know, we can look back now, but at the moment, man, it was a tough moment for this group of people that were following him. You know, we celebrate our leader, but they didn't celebrate it the same. If you go back and you look, they were not celebrating the way that we celebrate Easter today. They were troubled. They were trembling. They were struggling. Our leader, our Lord, has been crucified to the Roman cross. And they're struggling with what to do. But what they did is they found each other. And they pulled together. And they began to work through what will happen to us. And so we celebrate, man, with, with excitement and celebration and anticipation of the Easter weekend. Thinking about not only, not only the, the cross, but the power of the resurrection. And, and we think about the fact that, you know what, Jesus has conquered it all. He's conquered death, the grave, sin. He has conquered everything. And He offers to you and He offers to me salvation. He offers to you and He offers to me freedom, forgiveness. You know, it's the, it's the core of, of, our, of, our, of our Christian faith. And so here's a couple of passages that I want to read to you out of Luke 23. It says, When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed Him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on His right and one on His left. So our Lord and our Savior... He's hung between two criminals. And so to many in the, in the community, those who stood around, those who looked upon Him, those who spat upon Him, those who hurled insults upon Him, they were part of that community. And you know what they did? They thought He is a criminal. He called Himself King of the Jews. And so He is receiving His just punishment. That was their mentality. But Jesus would change that community. And it would impact the world. We're sitting here today, thousands of years later, all the way across the ocean... And we're celebrating what took place on that cross and through the power of the resurrection. Let's read in Luke 24 what happens on Sunday morning. It says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in 
and they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. And the men, then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what He told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that He would rise again on the third day? And then they remembered that He had said this, and so they rushed back from the tomb to tell His eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. See, here's the thing. We're talking about community. And Easter was a, a pivotal time for this community of believers. It was a pivotal time in history. And so, so Jesus, you know, has been resurrected and the angels tell him, hey, listen, go back and tell the others. Go back and tell the rest of the group. Go back and tell the disciples. And so they would leave. They would rush back to tell them. And here's the thing. Jesus had established community way before the cross, way before the resurrection. He'd established community with people. He'd walked among them. He had ministered to their needs. He had healed those who were lame. He had healed those who were blind. He had healed those who were deaf. He had fed those who were hungry. He had given those who were thirsty drink. And so Jesus had established community. And there were people that were following Him. And there were people that would say, Hey, are you the promised one, the Messiah? Are you the one that's going to conquer Rome? Are you the one that's going to set us free? Are you the conquering King? And He was, but it just wasn't the one they were looking for. And so there was, you know, so Jesus had established community way before the cross and way before the resurrection, but there had never been a time more needed for that community than now. They're gathered together. In a room we see where they're, they're gathered together in a room out of fear for their own lives. And so they're, they're finding comfort in one another. They're finding, you know, support in one another. They're finding encouragement in one another. They're finding answers through one another. And so, it's never been a time where it was more needed for them to experience community. And so I want us to look at what community is here. This is a definition that's out there in, in Webster. It says, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. So that, that could be someone who you know, lives in a certain community. You know, uh, there's certain people, I can remember whenever I was at Sanford University going to college, there were guys that were up on Sand Mountain, and they would always talk about, dude, if you were ever from Sand Mountain, you had that sand in your toes, man, you were always going to go back. That was kind of their mentality. It was the Sand Mountain community. You know, and I'm thinking, well, isn't there a lot of different community names on there? But they didn't go by that. It was Sand Mountain. That's what they called it. And so there's times that we, you know, we, we, we get focused on a community like an area. You know, we, we say, hey, well, I grew up in this area. You know, whatever it might be. So, here's, here's another definition. It says, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. And I would even say sharing common struggles. Common struggles. Common battles. And so we come together and we realize, you know, it's, it's good to have that feeling of fellowship. If you've ever been around someone who's gone through some of the same struggles you've gone through, there's a sense of fellowship there. You understand their, you know, what they're going through. You understand what they've been through. You know, maybe you, know, you go to Celebrate Recovery, and Celebrate Recovery has some people in there that have gone through some things, and they're able to relate to, you know what, man, I have gone that battle. I have walked that road. Maybe there's a mom or a dad in here. Maybe you know, you've lost a child or something like that, and you're able to walk with others and say, listen, I know what that feels like. My brother passed away at the age of 40, late in life. My mom struggled with that, but there was a couple of other ladies that came alongside of her and said, Hey, listen, there's not a pain that compares to that, but let me share with you what helped me. And you know what she did? She found community 
with those who had walked the road ahead of her. And so community is something that is needed, something that is, that is powerful. It can be uh, extremely powerful in our lives. And so community is about relationships. Community is about relationships. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. It's about relationships. Community, to me, I don't think of community knows so much to be in, about a geographical area as much as it is about relationships in that geographical area. People that you've got friendships with, that you've connected with, that you've built relationships with. And, and so there's, there's times that we, we focus on community and we make it about uh, the terrain. We make it about a mountain. We make it about whatever. And really it should be about relationships. Jesus was all about relationships. You know, the fact that we celebrate this weekend a cross, the fact that we celebrate an empty tomb, all of that was for the purpose of us to be in a right relationship with God. The whole thing, you know, the whole mission. You know, we could back up to Christmas and what Christmas represents, the birth of Christ, that God would literally invade this earth and He would bring a way, He would be the way to provide life for anyone to be in right standing with God. You know, and, and so here's the thing. He, everything that he did was moving towards us having a right relationship with God. Us being in right standing with God. So community is about relationships. And so here's a, here's a statement. It says, healthy relationships are so important that God didn't just suggest it. Suggest we treat others well. He commanded it. We talk about the great commandment. And the great, you know, and so Jesus was questioned. So let's read here in Matthew 22. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. Now, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to trap him so that they can kill him, which is what we end up getting to later at the cross. So they're trying to figure out a way to trap him, to, you know, to, 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 to literally take his life. So they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, God's command, the greatest commandment, is to love God with everything that's in us. That we're to love Him. Man, and, to lo- and here's the thing, to love what God loves. To love what God loves. What does God love? God loves people. God loves you. Those, I don't know if you caught a statement in that, that bumper video. It says, cling to this one thing that, man, God is madly in love with you. And as I was standing in the back tonight listening to that before the service started, I looked over to a friend and I said, dude, how awesome is that to think about that God is madly in love with me, that He wants a relationship with me, and He wants one with you. As broken as I am, as messed up as I am, as selfish as I am, as greedy as I can be, you know, all these things that I feel like I have wrong with me, He is madly in love with me. And He's madly in love with you. And some people would say that He is mad. He would send His only Son to die for people that don't even want to live for Him, that, di- that didn't even want to accept Him for who He was. They would, they would hurl insults at Him. They would spit on Him as He was going down the streets. The, the guards would whip Him and rip His back to shreds. They would punch Him. And say, prophesy and tell me who hit you. And so we would say, you know what, God is mad. I mean, how could He love us when we're that mean, that mean-spirited and that corrupt? How could He love us enough to let His Son go through that? But He does love us. And that's the greatest commandment for us is to love God. If we love God, we love what He loves. And He loves people. And too often we, you know, we have this mentality, man, I love God, but I don't have to like people. 
You know, and we, we even say, we'll say, you know, uh, you know, there's certain people, I know I gotta love them, but I don't have to like them. What, what, if, what if Jesus said that about you, right? Y'all laugh because y'all said that. That's why he's laughing. You, you've laughed about that. But here's the thing, what if Jesus said that about you? Jesus goes, hey, I gotta, I gotta die for him, but I ain't gotta like him. I ain't gotta hang out with him, do I? I don't have to spend time with him, do I? But Jesus loves us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to spend time with us. We go to him in prayer. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. Now, does he already know? Yeah. But he wants to talk with you. He wants to communicate with you. That's what prayer is, is communication with God. He wants to communicate with you through his word. When you sit down and you read the Bible, it's like reading a love letter from him. Man, he loves me. He cares about me. He cares about how I think. He cares about how I feel. He cares about how I treat people. He cares about what I do for people. So God cares about us. And so whenever we read that passage, it's not like said, it's not just a suggestion, it's a command that we love people, that we care for people, and that we treat them well. And so in a community, we should value relationships. We should value the people that make up our community. Not hate them, but love them. Because that's what God does. God loves them. He wants a relationship with them. Jesus modeled being transparent in relationships. Jesus modeled transparent relationships that led to true community. I think, you know, most of us talk about it. And, you know, a few years ago it was kind of a catch word. There's always a catch word that comes out every couple of months or maybe every couple of years. And it's a catch word that everybody just wears that word out, you know. And if it gets into everything, whether it be media or promotion or, you know, marketing or whatever. But it's like a catch word will come on. But a few years ago it was authentic community. Authentic community. And what does that mean? They wanted it to be real. They, want, they wanted people to be real. Authentic. No fake. No phony. No plastic. No, hey, put on the, hey, Pastor Mike, how you doing? God bless you. And then, get over here, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, they wanted you to be genuine and real. And so you go to a home and you sit down and everybody seems plastic and you feel like they're not really talking about anything that really matters. We're just doing, we're just a social club. We're just a biblical social club. We have a Bible sitting here, so we feel like we're a Bible social club. That's what we're doing. And so people say, hey, I want authentic community. I want people that are real, that are genuine, that are transparent. And, and so that's what they're looking for. Jesus modeled that. And so what people want to know is, hey, you know what, that we do, we all have problems. And we all struggle. And we all have to work through things. And nobody's perfect. Uh, a, a friend of mine, a young la- he posted a, a video of a young lady who had grown up in the church and, and she had been, uh, been, been, been in a pretty legalistic church, it sounds like, but she shares her ter- testimony. If you get a chance, you can go. I posted it. But she's talking about what's, how she grew up. And then she got promiscuous and she was fooling around. And anyway, she went off on, to play softball in South America with a bunch of college girls. She was a high school girl. And she said, for the first time, I was around Christians who talked about their struggles. She goes, I had grown up where you didn't talk about your struggles in church. You know, it wasn't a really a true community or an authentic community. She said, but these girls were talking about their struggles and what they were dealing with and, and, and how God was changing them and what God was speaking to them about. And she said, and it blew my mind. And she said, you know, I had never experienced that. And she, she said, you know, I feel like that, that was a turning point in my life. When she comes back, she ends up getting raped by a guy that was a friend of the family. She goes on and has an abortion. And then she ends up just literally struggling for years and years. And then she gets to a place, and this friend of mine happened to be speaking at that camp. And she hears this message that, you know what, there's some of you that have got a secret that you need to just bring it to the altar. And she did, and it began a transformation in her life. 
And her whole message, you hear it, it's over and over, needing someone to be, be able to be transparent with, to be able to open up with, to share my struggles and to share my secrets. So here's the thing, Satan loves to use our secrets to beat us to death with. He loves to literally tell you there's no one that will like you, there's no one that will accept you, there's no one that will have anything to do with you. But if you read God's Word, God says, hey listen, I want everything to do with you. I know everything you've ever done. I know every thought you've ever thought. I know what you have said. I love you madly. I want a relationship with you. I want to change you. I want to put you on a path that leads to life. I want want you on a path that leads to abundant life. So God loves us no matter what we've been through. No matter what we've said or done or thought. He can forgive us. That's That's what Easter weekend is about. That He went to the cross for your very worst sin. The very worst thing that you can think of, we quantify it, we qualify it, but all sin is equal in the eyes of God. And so Jesus went to the cross for whatever you have done that you think is the worst. And one of the things that we need is we need to be in community where we can, here's the thing, share that. And so this, this lady posted her video and she said, I just feel like I've got to share this. And so she was able to share that on Facebook, and it's gone, all, all kinds of people have seen it, and she's been able to encourage and speak life into some people that were stuck where she was stuck. And let me just say this, there's some of you that God wants to use you to speak life into other people. I told those, those, those young people that were being baptized tonight, I said, hey listen, God's going to use your baptism tonight to speak into someone's life. They're going to go, you know what, man, I've never followed Christ in believer's baptism. I've never gone public with my salvation. I've never done what those kids are doing. And I'm praying and I believe that God is going to use that in someone's life tonight in this community right here. And so that's what God is, is desiring. He wants us to be transparent. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Jesus, hey listen, there's nothing hidden from you guys. This is who I am. He says, hey, I am the Son of Man. Hey, I am the Son of God. Hey, I am the Messiah. I'm the promised one. And he goes out and he follows through on what he promised he would do. Remember it said earlier, don't you remember? They, he said, he told you in Galilee that in three days he would arise. Don't you remember? And they're going, yeah, I do remember him saying that. He had told them everything. And so we have got to find relationships and, and community where we can have authentic community where we are transparent with one another and we share our struggles. And we are able to encourage one another. And here's the thing, hold each other accountable. And, and so we need that. We all need that. We need, we need those relationships around us. So being transparent. So here's five things that keep us from experiencing true community. One is fear of rejection or of not being accepted. What we always think is they won't like me. They, they don't want me to be a part of this. And so we always kind of look through a, a lens and we think, all right, well, these, these people really don't want me here. They're just trying to be nice. They're not really that nice. I remember one time we were wrapping Christmas presents at, at, at Christmas for free at, uh, down here at Kmart when Kmart was in business. So we're out there wrapping presents and, and this lady walked up and, and, and she said, uh, she said, so y'all are wrapping this for free? And, uh, the lady said, yes ma'am. She said, doesn't cost you a dime. She said, for real? And she goes, yeah, for real. She goes, doesn't cost you a dime. She said, ain't nobody that nice. And the lady that was wrapping it said, we are. 
And you could tell she was looking at it like, all right, what do they want, man? What kind of weird group of people is this that would come out here and stand in the cold and wrap presents for free, pay for the tape, pay for the wrapping paper, and then send me off and not expect or want anything? They couldn't get their mind around that. And so I think sometimes that's the way we are. We get into a group and we think, these people don't really like me. They're just trying to be nice. No, they're, they're, they're trying to love on you. They're trying to, you know, be there for you. And so what we do a lot of times is we're afraid that, you know what, we're going to be rejected. Most of us, are, our biggest fear in life is rejection. You know, hey, what, what, if, what if they say no? Hey, some of the guys in here, there's probably a girl they want to ask out and they're thinking, man, what if, what if she says no? She says no, she says no, she misses out, right? But here's the thing, is what we do is we, we, we won't even attempt something because we're afraid of rejection. And I remember in high school, some of the prettiest girls never got asked out because the guys were afraid that they would be rejected. And some of the prettiest girls never got asked out at all. And so what, what we do is we, we let fear of rejection keep us from attempting some things. I'll mess up. I'll fail. I, I won't do well. They'll laugh at me. Whatever it might be. So fear of rejection is one of the things that keeps us from experiencing true community. Fear of rejection or, or not being accepted. Here's a second. Afraid I may have to change. We're afraid, hey, well, if I become a part of the church, if I become a follower of Christ, if I become a part of this community, I may have to change. Let me go ahead and answer that for you. Yes, you will. And, and, and you, you're afraid that you're going to have to... I can remember thinking, I can remember weighing it out as a 19-year-old going, man, I want to give my life to Christ, but what is it going to... You know, what am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to do? You know, am I going to have to go to church every time the doors open? All those things begin to flood my mind thinking, what, what am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to change? Because, you know, I was having a lot of fun at 19 years of age, but what was I going to have to give up? What was I going to have to change? And I'm telling you, in my mind, I thought, I'm going to have to change some things, and I don't know if I want to do that. But here's the thing. Later, I realized I really wanted to change. I should know that there was something better. And so God takes the stuff that we think is so good, and He goes, hey, I've got something better. I've got better friendships. I've got better relationships. I've got better for you, Mike. And he's got, the, he's got the same thing for you. He's got the best. He's got better for you. And so a lot of times we're afraid I may have to change. I won't be able to be the same old me. And let me just say, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If you were to ask some of the people around you, hey, do they need to change? They would be like, yes. And they could probably start listening to some of the things they would love to see you change in your life. You know what I'm saying? And so change is a good thing. Change is a good thing. So here's another one. Afraid of what it might cost me. Afraid of what it might cost me. All right, so, hey, yeah, there's going to be change, which is a good thing. But I can remember weighing it out thinking, all right, this is going to cost me. But I'll just tell you this, I got way more in return than I ever gave up. I got freedom. I got forgiveness. I got friends that have lasted a lifetime. I I had people that loved me in spite of my failures and in spite of my struggles. I had people that were encouragers to me. I had prayer warriors. I, I told some of these that were baptized, I said, there's people that are sitting out there. I said that they will see you. They may not know your name. They may not, may not remember your name, but they will pray for you because they know that you're a new believer and that you're going public with your faith, and they will become your prayer warriors. I can remember we, at the church that I went to, we had a prayer, uh, you know, a, a prayer time where you could go in. It was a, like a little prayer booth, whatever. And you go in, and my name was in there written on a card because I had surrendered to the ministry. When I would go back in there to pray, there would be people that had written notes on that card, said, Mike, I pray for you, and I know God's going to use you. And it was awesome to know that I had people praying for me and interceding for me and standing in the gap for me. I didn't lose anything. I gained everything. I didn't lose anything looking back. But that's what we do. Man, what's it going to cost me? 
You know, and I think sometimes that's our mentality towards church. Hey, man, if I join church, I probably got to start tithing, dead going. You know, man, I can't afford nothing else. Listen, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And if He's got your heart, man, everything, here's the thing. You'll want to be a part of stuff. You'll want to give. You'll want to be a part of what God is doing, not only here in our church, but all over the globe. You'll want to be a part of that. And then here's another one. Don't, uh, don't want everybody knowing my business. Some of you guys are like that, right? I mean, you don't want anybody knowing your business. You, you keep all everything close to the chest. You don't open up about anything. You don't share anything. And here's the thing. You're walking through some tough things by yourself. And you don't have to. You don't want everybody knowing your business. You want them to think different about you. Here's the thing. Sometimes they already know what's going on. You just think they don't. And so what we do is we walk through life alone. And let me just tell you this. We are wired for community. We're wired for relationships. We were created for that. And so whenever we walk through holding everything close, we're missing out on some of the key ingredients in life. Relationships where we can be transparent, we can be open, and we can be honest, and know that they love me anyway. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, man, I'm telling you, you're missing out. If you don't have somebody that loves you enough to speak the truth to you, and you know what, and know that you know what they still love me and they're trying to help me be the best I can be, you're missing out. And so we're we're afraid sometimes that's what keeps us from experiencing true community. We don't want everybody knowing our business. Let me tell you, everybody's jacked up. Can I just tell you all that everybody's got made mistakes, everybody's got issues, everybody has wrestled with sin, everybody has wrestled with temptation. Every one of us have. There's not one that is righteous, no, not one is what scripture says. We're all messed up individuals who needed a savior. That's why we celebrate Easter weekend, because He has redeemed us. He has changed us. He has set us free. And so we need that. Here's the last one. We don't want accountability. One of the reasons that we don't get engaged or we don't get involved or we don't get connected is because we're afraid, you know what, then I'll have to step it up. Then I'll have to attend. Then I'll have to be involved. It's kind of like telling your buddy, hey, listen, man, you know, hey, why don't we go work out? Man, I need to. All right, well, listen, I'll meet you at 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, you're not going to commit to that. Because if you commit to it, then you've got to be there. And if you don't show up, then he's going to dog you out. And you're like, hey man, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. So you won't commit to it because you don't want the accountability of someone meeting you there. But I think most of us know if we have someone meeting us there, we're more likely to go. Would you all agree with that? Why? Because of accountability. Wouldn't it be cool if you were involved in a church and connected in a church in such a way that when you weren't here, people said, hey man, where have you been? We've missed you. And it's easy sometimes to say, well, I go and I sit in here. This is a large group. But what if you got connected in a life group or a, or in a small group where you're able to get around a group of people and you know what? they know your name and they know if you're not there and they know what your kids are going through and they're praying for you. But a lot of times we're like, well, if I go to that life group, man, they're going to ask some weird questions and I don't want to go in there because you don't want them knowing your business, right? And the thing is, we're all broken. And we're all in need of redemption. And we're all in need of relationships. And we're all in need of the body of Christ coming together to encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We're in need of those things. So those are five things that will keep us from true community. So here's what I love. Jesus impacted the community where He lived. And it spread to the whole world. Wouldn't you all agree with that? Jesus impacted His community. I mean, He, he fed people. He fed people. He, he healed people. He, he, he literally offered salvation to those who were looking, he offered, uh, you know, living water to those who were thirsty. He did everything that you can imagine, physically, emotionally, relationally. 
He restored people. I think about Peter who, who said, Jesus, I'll never let you down. Jesus, I'll never leave you. And he says, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. No, Lord, not me. Not, I would never do that. And then when he hears it, he is broken. But we, one of the most intimate scenes in Scripture is where Jesus restores Peter. The one who, who cursed him. said, I don't know that blankety-blank. But yet Jesus would re- restore him. And then we see relationships restored. We see people redeemed. We see people healed. And so the picture that we see there is that Jesus is making a difference in the lives of people. He's making a difference in the lives of people. And what He does is He touched these guys and He impacted them. And you know what they did? They went out and they began to make a difference. And part of the reason that the church is even here today is because of what Jesus did in their lives and they took that message to the corners of the earth. There's a guy I want you to meet that we've partnered with. And I'll just let you check out the video and I'll tell you a little bit more after it's over. Hey guys, good morning. I want to introduce you to one of our new friends here at Journey Church. This is Pastor Dwayne. This is one of the pastors that we partner with through the Big Give. We partner with him as he's planning a church called Flatline Church at Chisholm. And uh, this new church is going to be exciting. It's going to be uh, preaching the gospel. And uh, these guys are wanting to make a difference and an impact in their community. And I want to ask Pastor Dwayne, if you will, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing there. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Pastor, for uh, allowing me to do this video uh, to these wonderful people here at Journey. Hope to see y'all soon. <laughs> That's right. You uh, will. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Flatline Church at Chisholm actually... Uh, it's an extension of Flatline Movement, and Flatline uh, is derived from Romans chapter 6, verse 11, and that scripture says, I reckon you to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. So in order to live, you got to die. you got to die right. before you die so That's that right. you can live. So everything that we do uh, at Flatline Church at Chisholm involves you dying to yourself, you know, right. dying to your, your own perception, uh, whatever thing that might be holding you back from serving God to your full potential. Um, so um, I'm 44 years old. I got saved when I was uh, 26 years old. Did not hear the gospel until then, you know, because I was not engaged by the church, you know. Uh, so the way the Lord saved me is the way that uh, he's using us to minister uh, to the people in children. All the things that I think that I wanted to see from the church uh, and did not receive, God is making us intentional about That's doing good. those things uh, in that community in children. Because I grew up in, the, in that type of setting in that, that same type of context. I like what you just said. You, you grew up in Alabama. Yes, sir. And did not hear the gospel until you were 26. Yes, sir. We, a lot of people consider this the Bible belt of the, uh, you know, of, of the country. And uh, to say that I didn't hear the gospel until I was 26 years old, that's crazy. And so that's the reason, you know, church, we need to be involved in our community. Uh, you know, here's a guy that grew up in our community, in our state, that did not hear the gospel. And once he heard the gospel, it changed his life. And he's planning a church that's changing the lives of other people right here in Montgomery. And so, man, I'm just thankful that you guys give and you invest in uh, the big give. You give sacrificially for the mission so that we can invest in guys who are on the front lines making a difference. Brother, thank you for being here today. Yes, sir. God bless you for having me. Isn't that awesome? Y'all give uh, Pastor Dwayne a hand. He may be in uh, he may be in one of our services tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to make it or not. But uh, they started last Sunday uh, their church. And let me kind of give you a little bit of background about someone who's making a difference in their community. You know, we talk about community and how important it is to impact our community. We just got through talking about what Jesus did. Jesus impacted community. 
And let me tell you how the community can come together. This is a cool thing too. And so Pastor Dwayne, I met him like a couple, uh, I guess Wednesday of last week or the week before. And, uh, and anyway, so he was sharing with me his vision of what they're trying to do. And he was telling me that the last meal that he had every week was on, on Friday at school. And the next meal that he would get would be on Monday breakfast because he grew up in a home where his mom was on the streets, his dad was nowhere to be found, all of his uncles were alcoholics, his grandmother uh, had Alzheimer's, and he said it was just nobody to care for him. He said but the church never engaged him. He lived in a community, never reached out to him, never met a need that he, need, he had, and so he wasn't open to what they had for him. And so understand, he grew up here in Alabama and had never heard the gospel until he was 26. And so he started telling me about what they were doing at Flatline, he said, what we want to do, he said, we're going to have our service at 2.30 every Sunday. He said, and then we're going to feed them afterwards. I said, man, how awesome is that? I said, that's, that is, that's cool. He said, well, you know, Jesus always met a physical need, and then he would present a biblical truth. And I said, I love it, dude, I love it. I said, hey, listen, what if you had a, uh, what if you had a food truck? And he's like, man, what are you talking about, Pastor Mike? And I said, I know a guy that attends our church. I said, that has a food truck that he's wanting to sell. I said, do you want to go look at it? So we went to look at it. And he goes, man, this would be awesome. He said, because that whole slogan, I don't know if you saw it on the side, says, here we come. He said, you know, the, the, the church is supposed to influence and impact the community. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not, hey, come see our show. It's, hey, here we come. We're going to meet the needs of the community. And so we got to talking about it. And I said, listen, I said, would you be interested in that truck? And he said, yeah. I said, well, let me just talk to some people. And so I began to drive, you know, talk to him about it. We're trying to figure out how to make it happen. It was $15,000 for the truck. You know, and so I, I, I was driving down the road and I said, God, I said, who do you want me to call to try to get this truck so that these kids can be fed and they can hear the gospel? And, and so I'm driving down the road, God puts the guy on my heart, and I said, you know what, I'm going to call him. And so I called this guy that I went to high school with, not even a part of our church, not even a part of our church. And so I said, hey, listen, man, I said, I want you to pray about something. I said, God puts you on my heart. I said, this is what we're doing. I want to try to help this guy get this food truck so that he can feed kids and present the gospel. I said, so just pray about it and let me know what I can put you down for. This is what it's going to cost. So he called me back the next day and he said, hey, listen, i got a couple of questions. So he asked me those questions. I said, yeah, I said, that sounds good. And uh, I said, we can, you can do it through the church, however. And he said, listen, I want, to, I want to pay for the whole thing. Man, I was overwhelmed. Man, I, I mean, I'm like, I, I was like, I don't know what to say. And he said, man, he said, I called my wife. She said, I taught those kids. And he said, listen, nobody is there to help them with their schoolwork. Nobody is there to help them wash their clothes. He said, you, she said, you buy that truck. She goes, we'll take care of it. She goes, we want to see those kids fed and we want to see those kids hear the gospel. So here's what I love about that. That's the community that, that's people that don't even live in our community. That's the body of Christ coming together to do something to make a difference in a community. So the body of Christ, the church, if you will, the big G, if you will, big, big C, if you will, the, the global church literally came together to make that happen. So I called the guy that attends our church and said, hey, listen, man, I said, I got a guy that wants to buy it. He said, listen, I want to meet Pastor Dwayne. I want to tell him how you can get the best deals on food. And, and we just went through the whole thing. And there's a picture. I don't know if they threw it up there yet. But that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the bus there or the truck. And so they're going to use that. Isn't that awesome? To make a difference in a community. To take the gospel right into people's homes. And so, man, I want you guys to be praying about how you can be a part of maybe helping in some way with that. But I, I love seeing how God brought, brought the body of Christ, the community of believers, together to accomplish a simple goal. And God can do even greater things. 
And so God wants us to come together. And so it's, I love that here we come. It's, it's so important. So let's jump to this last part here. Jesus commands us to make an impact in the lives of the people that make up our community. Jesus commands it. Just like He commands us to treat people a certain way, He commands us to make a difference in our community. We cannot just go to church. We cannot just sit in a chair. We cannot just go through the motions. We have to make a difference if we're going to follow Christ. We have to be willing to say, you know what, God? I want to be on mission. I want to be missions-minded. I want to understand how to reach the people around me and how to reach my community. Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the Great Commission. That is our command as a church, as believers, as a follower. If you're excited about Easter weekend because you're a follower of Christ, you ought to be excited about the fact, you know what, that, you know what? Jesus, trust me, to reach others with the life-changing message of the gospel. We ought to be excited about people putting their faith in Christ. We ought to be excited about a guy going into a dark area that literally, man, crime is everywhere. That He's saying, you know what, we're going to make a difference in here. And we get to partner with him. We ought to be excited about that. And so the thing is, is we can't just sit here and say, hey, well, I'll send some money over somewhere to do missions. The thing is, is where do you live? Where do you live and what are you doing to make a difference in your community? Are you just living and dying? Are you following the American dream? Or are you making a difference in the lives of the people around you? Are you discipling someone? Or are you being discipled? Are you pouring into someone? Are you serving someone? Are you blessing someone? Are you just going through the motions and it's all about me and what I want? What are you doing? To make a difference in the lives of others. Here's the last thing here. It says God desires that everyone, everyone must be a part of His church. That's God's desire. You know, you know, and it's not Journey Church. It's the Church International, the Church Global. Just like Pastor Rembert, you know, Pastor Dwayne. Man, we're, we're brothers in Christ. You know, and we're part of the same church. I love it. We get to work in different areas and we do different things. But here's the thing. God is at work for the kingdom of God. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man, Christ Jesus. He gave His life to purchase freedom for everyone. And I hope that if you're here today, and I hope you understand what it means to be saved. I hope you understand that Jesus, can, He has purchased your salvation. He has paid for your salvation with His blood, and He wants you to receive it. It's God's desire that every person would be saved. And here's the thing, if you're saved, you're part of the church. You're part of the community. You're part of the family. You're part of the faith. And so God wants you to be a part of that. He wants you. It's His desire. That's why He sent His Son. And if you're sitting there trying to talk yourself out of it, you're talking yourself out of the greatest blessing you will ever receive. I tell young people this all the time. Whenever they give their life to Christ, it's the most important decision you'll ever make because it affects every other decision you'll ever make. Who you'll marry, where you'll go to school, what you'll do for a living, and how you'll spend your life. It's the most important decision you could ever make. So maybe you're here tonight. And maybe you're here just to see someone get baptized. And you didn't know it, but you know what? God had a divine appointment with you that He wanted you to hear the gospel. He wanted you to receive His greatest gift, salvation through Jesus Christ, by faith. He wanted you to receive that. There's a couple of next steps here, and it says to put my faith in Christ, in what Christ has done through the cross and through the power of the resurrection for me. And you realize, you know what? The cross was for me. You personalize it. The cross was for me. The resurrection, 
Man, the power of the resurrection, it's for me. It was, it's available to me, is what Paul says. The power of the resurrection. He goes, man, I desire to attain that. The power of the resurrection at work in me. Not that we just celebrate something that happened, but the power of God is at work in us and working through us to make a difference in the community that we live in, to reach as many as possible with the life-changing message of the gospel. And so maybe you realize tonight, it's for me. It's for you. The last one there. It says to become a part of His church and become part of God's family, His community. And so maybe for you tonight, you go, you know what, that's me. I've been going through the motions. Man, I'm not connected anywhere. I'm not engaged anywhere. And I'm just telling you, we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here. We, we make a decision. You know, I think people sometimes wonder, hey, would I be accepted at that church? If we open those doors, you're accepted. That's the way we think. We open the doors, man. We say, hey, listen, come all who will. Now, we love you enough, we won't leave you where you are. But here's the thing, we love you enough to say, you know what? Jesus accepted people where they were at, but He changed them. We believe that God will change you. Just like He's changed us. And it's part of our job is to teach you everything that He's taught us. That's the Great Commission. I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And, and maybe tonight you realize, you know what? This is for me. This, this Easter weekend, this whole Easter message is for me. And maybe, maybe it's you and you go, Mike, man, I want to give my life to Christ. I've never been saved. I've never asked Christ to come and live within me. I've never had true community. So I want, if, if you would, every, no, nobody's looking but me. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I want, I, want to, I want to put my faith in Christ for salvation tonight. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand high. Just say, I, I, want, to, I want to put my faith in, salva- in Christ for salvation tonight. I see your hand. Anybody else? I want to be saved. I want to know that Christ lives within me. Anybody else? Thank you for your courage to raise your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand back here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Man, I just want to be saved. I believe the message is for me tonight. Anybody? I see both of your hands. The rest of you guys, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. But those of you that raise your hand, look up here at me. Let's look up here at me. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you believe that He bled out His blood for you, and you put your faith in Him to save you, you will be saved. You become His child, a part of His family. You believe that? Then you're, you're, you're His child. Same thing here. You believe that? It's childlike faith, but it's you believing with all the faith that you have that Christ can save you. And He will. And He adopts you into His family. He says, hey, listen, you're my own. You're my child. You're part of my family. Praise God for these two that have put their faith in Christ for salvation. What an Easter to remember. What about some of the rest of you? Maybe you don't have a church family. Maybe you're not connected. Maybe you're not engaged. You're not, not involved in your church. And you're not involved in the community. What is God saying to you today? Maybe He's putting something on your heart. Maybe like, like Pastor Dwayne, he's, he's given you a vision of something that you can be a part of. Or maybe He's blessed you with the ability to give and He wants you to be a part of helping churches reach and impact the community the way that Pastor Dwayne is. What is it that God has put on your heart to do? What will you do with what He's leading you to do? How will you respond? Will you trust Him? Father, I thank You for meeting with us tonight. God, I thank you for these two that have put their faith in you for salvation. God, I thank you that the Word says that you have written their name in the Lamb's blood in the book of life. Never to be erased. Father, they are yours. God, you have purchased them. You have saved them. You have redeemed them. Thank you, God, for your promises. You're faithful and true. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for the opportunity to partner with other pastors like Pastor Dwayne. 
God, help us to be a light in this community. God, help us to be a church that is on mission. Father, we're willing to leave these four walls and go impact and influence the community in which we live. God, use us as your vessels. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.